After a year away and traveling and, and coming back and doing some more locoming and traveling and, and landing the job in the snow, it, it kind of dawned on me that taking the obscure career path actually led me to a really good place. And I just kind of wanted to utilize my teaching experience and then let students know there's more than just the three realms of pharmacy that they're told they can go into, hospital, community and industry. Locum pharmacy was something that opened a lot of doors for me, so I wanted to share that. Hi, I'm Liam Murphy. I'm a locum pharmacist that cruises around Australia in my van, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. It is great to have you joining us as we focus on building your career in community pharmacy and look at some of the lesser known opportunities that are available to you within community pharmacy as we speak with the roaming pharmacist, Liam Murphy. Liam will take us through how his career as a community pharmacist has not only provided him with some amazing career growth experiences, but also supported the Australian dream of absolute work-life balance. Liam talks us through the opportunities, challenges, and the benefits of working in community pharmacy, having worked in rural and remote areas in Australia, building collaborative relationships with other health professionals, and how to build a valued community pharmacy career using these experiences. Here's Liam. Liam, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Working as a locum seems like a pretty cool gig. How did you get into that type of work? And I'd love to hear about some of the places, those amazing places you've traveled to and worked in. And even if you have a favorite place that maybe holds a little special place in your heart. Thanks for having me. Um, For a bit of background, my mum and dad, or as they're commonly known, Jan and Tez Dog, are both pharmacists in Melbourne. Um, They basically talked me into doing pharmacy when I was in year 12 and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I liked science and I was kind of interested in the in the medical law field uh, and ended up falling into pharmacy and mum sort of plugged the idea of being a locum into me uh, at different stages. She said, oh, how good would it be if you can travel with your job and, you know, you can set up and you can go and spend a few weeks here and a few weeks there and you can travel all around the country. So it's something that was kind of instilled into me, but it wasn't until I sort of graduated from uni um, and I ended up going back to do some further study. And I was living on the Sunshine Coast and just sort of needed a bit of a job to get me by. So I, I started doing casual pharmacy work initially, so just doing a shift here and there in various places and then kind of moved on to realizing that I was meeting a lot of travelers and and realized that I was getting quite itchy feet and wanting to go traveling and I needed to uh, do a stint or a walk for a little bit to save some money to allow me to go and travel. Um, and then that kind of led to my first locum stint, which was three months over in Broome, um, working for a friend uh, that set me up with a job, Dan Botel. Um, Broome was amazing. It was a super lovely place to, to visit. I was there in the dry season. There was maybe about five days I saw clouds in the three months I was there. The, the weather was amazing. Amazing. It was awesome. Um, played footy with the local side. I was prepping to go on a surf trip over to Mexico and Central America. So I was surfing those small waves at Cable Beach as much as I could. It was pretty sketchy from time to time. Like up in the Kimberley, there's there's crocodiles up that way. And um, 
Table Beach is quite a long white sandy beach, so it's not the usual resting or nesting habitat for the uh, for the crocodiles. But um, there's a few times where I'd be chomping at the bit to get in the ocean after work, and I'd be running down, and you just see a sign on the beach and no one out, and it just say croc sighting today. No one's out, and no one's allowed out in the beach. So that was that was an interesting place to sort of kick off my local adventures. Um, I've been managed to be like work around in some amazing spots. Um, both coastal and inland. Um, one spot that really like holds a special place in my heart is the Eyre Peninsula. Um, there's a small town on the coast that I stumbled across when I was traveling around Australia in my van with my ex-girlfriend. Um, I got the num- number of the f- local pharmacist and sort of sent him a message and asked him about, you know, what's the possibility of finding a wave around the town. And he, he took me out and we just started having a chat. And he sort of asked me, oh, you know, what are your plans for winter? Do you want to come and work for me? And I said, nah, I've, I've already got plans, but, you know, like if it'd be cool to come and work sometime. And he, he said, what about this afternoon? I said, oh, all right. I what I could do with, with a couple of dollars, like to help get me to the next town. And um, I figured he was pretty relaxed. And so I ended up just wearing like some shorts and a T-shirt and just some bands <laughs> into the pharmacy. And I walked in and he was in shorts and a t-shirt and thong. For anyone that knows me, that's uh, like I'm not the typical professional pharmacist. And uh, that's definitely something that being able to be comfortable and be myself in the pharmacy was was something that helped me settle in. Um, and a few years back, I was really fortunate to land a job working at Perisher Pharmacy. Um, when I worked there, technically I'm the highest pharmacist in Australia. Uh, so we're at 720 metres. Uh, above sea level, but that's been an amazing opportunity that I've returned to for five winters consecutively. Um, there's a really amazing team there um, that we get to work with with the medical centre. Uh, it's awesome because I can do my profession uh, while I'm also doing a snow season simultaneously, so I get to enjoy the surrounds of the snowy mountains. I get to enjoy and meet like meet people from all over the world and all over Australia that are frothers and, and enjoying going snowboarding and skiing. And I get to go out and hike in some of the most beautiful spots in Australia, which is like the main range of the Kosciuszko National Park. So it's been really fortunate and hopefully there's a few more other little gems to come across along the way. Sounds amazing. And working in those locations obviously exposes you to lots of really cool experiences and some amazing people. But what have been the opportunities both professionally and maybe even personally that have come up through those journeys? Professionally, I've been offered countless uh, full-time jobs in different places, which with my itchy feet and and propensity to just want to keep moving around has meant I've, I've pretty much turned all of them down for now but at some stage I may go back um it's been like an awesome chance opportunity a few years ago I bought a Volkswagen transporter and so basically it just means I can travel around in my van and live the van life from time to time when I'm going in between towns and get to travel and explore Australia uh just meeting people from all over Australia and making friends uh, in different places, getting engaged in different communities, playing music with different people has been has been an awesome opportunity and and having a jam with some locals in their in various settings from all walks of life and all different ages, from you know young young girls in their twenties that are awesome singers that I can play guitar with to an old 
rat pack of dudes um, in the desert in South Australia that that sing punk rock songs and just use it as a men's club. Um, that's been awesome. Um, also, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is is sort of notching up the different things that I've been able to do on work days. So um, in my intern year, I managed to go surfing quite a bit on like mornings before work. Uh, in the snow, I've managed to snag a few days where I could go uh, snowboarding on the same day that I've been working. Uh, a few years back, I was working in Robinvale for um, the Pissasales and and John, the owner of the pharmacy, took me out of the pharmacy early one day and took me wakeboarding after work. And earlier this season, I managed to go splitboarding out in the main range in Kosciuszko National Park um, and then started working in the afternoon in the pharmacy, which is, I don't know, for me, that's kind of like a cool novelty of, of the job and being in the places that I get to explore. It certainly sounds like there's a lot to uh, experience, but like any role, it's not going to be smooth sailing. And I think moving around a lot like you do and meeting a, a lot of people would certainly present some challenges. What sort of challenges do you get faced with with moving around so much and changing roles and, and having to build relationships? Isolation and, and being away from family and friends can be tricky from time to time, but it also serves an, as an opportunity to engage in new communities and make new friends and, and try new experiences and explore different areas. So it depends which sort of way you look at it. Um, you know, from time to time, it can be tricky to adapt to how certain pharmacies are run, uh, especially if there's, you know, you're working by yourself or there's not much support in the pharmacy. Um, it can be tricky when you're in a certain spot and there's no one really to call upon and, and you kind of have to just go with your gut with experience that definitely does get a bit, a bit easier. Um, and then, you know, making sure that you can just back up whatever you are doing, um, with, you know, sound rationale. Um, one thing more so for me, but um, that wouldn't apply to a lot of pharmacists is I don't generally look like a typical pharmacist. Um, it's caught a few of my employees off guard. Uh, for those that don't know me, I've got sort of long uh, sun bleached hair and I've got a nose ring that I'll usually wear if I can get away with it. Um for me, I I don't look at professionalism, you know, I don't see the white coat as the beacon of professionalism like some pharmacists do. And that might be a popular opinion with everyone, but I see, you know, professionalism more as how you engage with the patients. In my role up in up in Perisha, you know, a lot of our patients are younger or they're on holidays or they're, you know, doing seasons and in some instances it can it can throw some employers and some pharmacists off, but uh, or some uh, customers off, but usually once I can engage with them and speak to them, um, and they understand that I do have their best interests at heart and that I, you know, I want to care for them and, and tell them the information that they need to, um, they're usually understanding, but on the flip side, it also works well with, with patients in places like the snow or rugged surf towns where they feel like they can sort of easily, more easily engage with me. Um, because I'm not your typical pharmacist in a white coat with a crew cut. I understand that you've also completed your graduate diploma of teaching. Why did you do that? What was your motivation for taking on more study while you're traveling around? You don't have any roots set down, so to speak. And I am curious about how you think it it's contributed to expanding your pharmacy career. Well, the prospect of studying teaching crossed my mind a bit while I was studying pharmacy. 
Um, when I finished my degree, I got this inkling that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in a dispensary. And through a string of decisions and events, I ended up taking the plunge and going back to uni to study a diploma of education at the University of the Sunshine Coast. At the time, I was living in Noosa, and it was an excuse more or less to keep mum satisfied that I was doing something productive while she was 2,000 k's away in Melbourne, um, and I wasn't holding down a full-time job. If I had to condense down what the degree taught me, though, in one sentence, it's that you won't teach anyone much of anything unless they're engaged. And so from that, there's also the simple concepts that people will only really remember a few key points from what you tell them. You know, it means when you're dealing with patients, I had to work out how to best simplify medication and health inflammation, make it relevant to them and try not to bombard them with too much information. Um, I ended up doing a bit of... Uh, education to students through this um, and talking about, you know, my story and, and advice from different different friends and things that they've done in their pharmacy careers. Um, but one of the cool things is learning about the foundations of learning and curriculum and learning frameworks inspired me to get a bit more creative with the CPD um, or my continuing professional development in the years to come. So rather than just reading journals and answering questions in books, it you know, it made me think, all right, what's something that I can do that I want to do or is, is different or interesting to me and how can I apply that to um, the competencies that are going to improve my life or, you know, my professionalism as a pharmacist. Um, different things that I've sort of done is reaching out to a wake park in Perth and trading some pharmacy services for some free wakeboarding, um, thanks to a few of the boys that I was staying with when I was over there. Um, and also working at a surf camp over in um, Indonesia and, you know, tying that into things that I want to do, you know, further down the line in my career and, and putting in, you know, putting into place. And so understanding how to link that back to the competencies has been a good, like, exercise in, you know, ex making professional development a bit more exciting. We'll come back to that CPD stuff because I've, I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you about that, but I'll do that in a little while. So I think we should touch on this concept of the roaming pharmacist because that's what a lot of people know you as. That's where my research started. So can you tell the listeners, what is the concept of the roaming pharmacist all about? So essentially, my first few years of pharmacy were a bit different and weren't really like anything that I'd been told about in uni. Uh, when I was studying at university, I was basically told you can either work in hospital, you can work in uh, community pharmacy, or you can work in industry. And they were kind of the three three channels that you could go down. Um, and and that you know was kind of about it for me. I I kind of went straight out and I studied something different. I went and locum for a little while. I went and travelled. Um, you know, I, I learned a second language, and after a year away and traveling and, and coming back and doing some more locuming and traveling and, and landing the job in the snow, it, it kind of dawned on me that, you know, taking the obscure career path actually led me to a really good place. And I just kind of wanted to utilize my teaching experience and then, and, you know, let students know uh, that, you know, there's more than just the three realms of pharmacy that they're told they can go into. Um, which is, you know, hospital, community and industry. Locum pharmacy was something that opened a lot of doors for me, so I wanted to share that. Um, and a good friend of mine, Sam Turner, lined me up to go and talk at the NAPSA Congress um, and do a presentation there to, to talk a bit about my story, but I figured 
my story isn't always apl- applicable to everyone's career aspirations and goals. Um, so I ended up asking four of my friends that I had met a few years prior at the NAFSA Congress who had all gone down different paths of um, the pharmacy. So one was, you know, studying a doctorate in pharmacy. Um, one had done all different kinds of things and worked overseas and had managed pharmacies. One was a super successful hospital pharmacist and um, one of them was a young pharmacy owner. Um, and I thought I asked them, if someone was wanting to follow in your footsteps, like what's the best bits of advice that you could share with them to, to following that or to put their best foot forward? Um, from that, I kind of realized that I needed to conceptualize a brand around that talk. And that was kind of where the roaming pharmacist was born. Initially it became an ideas platform where I could, you know, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do and there was things that I wanted to say. Um, something that I was passionate about at the time was, um, the implementation of more harm minimization and in particular pill testing at festivals. That something to me with my travels and working in the places that I'd worked, you know, especially in a snow town, like drug use among, you know, friends and um, people that I was meeting in the communities was, you know, pretty widespread. And, you know, I learned that these weren't really bad people. They were just people that were wanting to experiment and they were wanting to do different things. And so it kind of became an, an issue of like, well, how do we just make this safer? How do we make it so, you know, that this is something that, that people can be more informed about. And the idea of pill testing at a festival, it's kind of like once you can open up the conversation about drugs, a lot of other, you know, taboo topics like mental health and sexual health, the stigma around them also falls down and you can have a really open conversation. At least that's what I found in my sort of professional practice. But yeah, that was like an angle that I wanted to take with the roaming pharmacist and, and sort of share that concept and idea. Um, And also, like, after a few months, um, my good friend Luke Frankovic joined me. Um, Luke was, you know, a a MIMS intern of the year um, a few years back and a really, really capable and motivated young pharmacist. Um, He approached me on one of my road trips up the East Coast when I stopped by and visited him and said, you know, he had the prospect of owning a pharmacy. presented to him, but he also thought he wanted to maybe locum for a little while. So I, I lined him up with a locum stint and we ended up going and, and covering for my parents while they went away. And through, through a range of conversations, we decided to join forces. Um, throughout the years, you know, we were both quite motivated and, and really wanted to take on the world with the thing. But, you know, l- life a little bit got in the way. Um, initially, it was sort of trying to use social media as a platform to spread messages and share ideas and share our journeys. And I feel like the more that time went, um, I realized that social media wasn't the preliminary platform that I wanted to be working on. I really enjoyed like face-to-face communication and, and just doing things, you know, with, with people in the communities that I was working with or with, you know, people in the pharmacy that I was meeting. But, you know, Luke brought in a set of ideas. He's currently now a um, an owner of a pharmacy in Townsville, so he's he's put the locum life on hold for a little bit. But I know he's got a lot of really good memories and um, experiences that have come from that. As far as going forward, uh, the roaming pharmacist is still a, an open book, and and you know we're not sure where it's going to lead us and and what it can be. 
Um, it's yeah, we'll we'll just sort of see what happens going forward. I've got a few ideas of where I might want to take it, um, and you know if if young students or pharmacists are interested in locum adventures or really want to sort of use their profession to to make a difference in the community in unique and inspiring ways, like I'd encourage them to sort of reach out and get in contact and see if there's any ways we can use the platform to sort of build from there. So you, you speak about harm minimization, pill testing, creating those safe spaces for people to open up and talk about subjects that are important, not just for their safety, but also their mental health and, and obviously their harm minimization. And you've had the opportunity to take some of that messaging and advocacy out to the broader communities. Tell us what that is all about and, and what does it entail? Um. So there's been all different things like through the years that I've been involved with. Um, one of the most predominant, I've got a really like good friend and colleague, um, Jacqueline Isles, who's a nurse in Jindabyne that I've been doing a lot of talks with. Um, Jackie, like myself, isn't your, your typical um, looking health professional. She, uh, she sort of wears her own free dress and takes her own style into her work. But it works really well for her. She um she set up a an award winning sexual health clinic in the um Snowy Mountains region, um, which really services the local community and those that come to the winter seasons really well. Um, Jackie and I have been doing you know various pr- presentations together um, over the years to you know school students and another one that we've tackled is the lift operators and the lifties that work at Perisher. Um, so we get up at the start of the season and speak to most of the lifties on their induction. Um, it's really quite funny because, you know, they'll they'll talk and they'll say, oh, we'll get introduced. And it's like Liam works in the pharmacy and he's across the, the hall over there. And, and Jackie, she works down in the Wednesday room, the sexual health clinic. So if you need anything. And Jackie usually gets up and starts her presentation with, yeah, so um, – when I was 25, I received an award for having seen 25,000 vaginas. If you are on track for those numbers, you should probably come pay me a visit. Um, and that really sort of breaks down the, you know, any of the stigma and the barriers of communication. And we get up there and we swear and we have fun with them. And we just try to sort of make, you know, make it clear that there are places for them to go. It is a really fun place for them to spend their time, but it is also quite an intense time. People, you know, want to party a lot and and they want to snowboard and they want to work hard and play hard and do everything and, and people can really burn out and the end of the season can come around and they can get a bit stressed out. So, you know, we just reiterate messages that, like, keep an eye out for your friends and, you know, your mental health. There are places to go if you need and, you know, very simple things like if you're taking a medication for your mental health and, you know, you might feel that everything's great and life's peachy and I don't need to take this anymore because I'm surrounded by friends and I'm having the best time in my life. But, you know, the end of the season comes around and, and it all comes to a crashing halt and people can fall into a mess if, if they don't stick with their regular care plan and just simple messages like that. Um, bringing Luke on board for the roaming pharmacist really opened my mind to the me- importance of mental health and the role that pharmacists can play, especially with our sort of accessibility. Something really profound yet so simple, he sort of reiterated to me, was treating a patient walking in with a new script for an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication with tenderness and genuine care, you know, a genuine sort of how are you going and, and not trying to bombard them with information, but just making sure they're taking away the few key points. Um, working in Perisher, 
I deal with a lot of injuries. Um, people hurt themselves countless times a day on the snow. Um, after having this conversation with Luke, I sort of remembered back to when I was living on the Sunshine Coast and I separated my shoulder during my intern year. Um, I was going from, you know, exercising flat out, playing football, training, surfing as much as I could, hiking up um, Mount Coolum and doing as much as I could to stay fit and active to pretty much going to work and sitting on my couch and, you know, not having energy. And I, I really – I. I was lucky that I recovered before before I got into too dark of a space, but I definitely realized that, you know, it's it's not much fun when you get injured. I try to be pretty genuine with people. I try not to bombard them with information. And, you know, quite often I'm dispensing panadine for or endone for, for their injuries. Um, and I give them the really simple crux of the information they need to know about the medication. But I, I generally make a point to try and, you know, stress that, this is going to suck. You are, you know, you're going to be in pain and you're not going to be able to function as, as you usually have. And it might be something that might be a bit stressful. And, um, you know, here's a few things that I've tried in the past and things that have worked for me. Um, one of the things I recommended was, uh, coloring in. And I also recommend the mindful meditation apps. Um, there's a bit of evidence coming out that, you know, minimizing stress can improve recovery. So, you know, anything that you can do to, to make the person's journey through their injury and, and recovery and rehabilitation easier should generally improve their outcomes. But it's just really about being honest and, and genuine and and letting them know what they might be in for and giving them a bit of hope. And then also letting them know if it does get bad, that there are avenues that they can go and talk to. On your website, I read one of your blogs where you talk about CPD. So let's jump back to that. I said earlier we'd come back to it, but you don't talk about the traditional CPD as in continuing professional development, but rather you reference continuing personal development. What's that all about? What does it mean? Why do you think it's important? This was essentially a distillation of um, the message I was trying to share in the lectures I did when I started the roaming pharmacist. Um, stepping outside of the pharmacy walls and it basically just means doing what you want to do. The idea that I sort of stumbled across was that better people are going to make better pharmacists. So those that are friendlier, happier, more compassionate, have better knowledge and better communication skills are generally going to be able to achieve better patient outcomes. And, you know, there's all different ways that we can do this, but part of it comes down to being happy and, and sort of doing what you want to do. For myself, this is like, you know, included things like engaging myself in sports like surfing and snowboarding and using those as a means to get and stay fit and healthy um, with my lifestyle playing guitar and jamming and, and, you know, other mindfulness practices have been really good. Um, and it also serves as a, you know, a way to interact and engage with people and, and to have common ground with patients. If you've got various interests, that can be something that can break down communication barriers and, and really get you engaged with people. Um, but by far the biggest thing that I've done for my continuing professional or personal development has been learning Spanish um, in my mid-20s um, on a year-long trip to Mexico and Central America. Um, it really hit home um, what it's like for people coming to, you know, English-speaking countries and trying to speak English as a second language. It's been really fun to sort of play that um, or to be able to counsel people in Spanish um, when I can um, and have conversations in Spanish. 
but just the way it opens up your mind and, and perspective and, and changes things. I can't recommend learning a second language highly enough. And for any pharmacy or pharmacist or pharmacy student wanting to do something different and, and stimulate their, their synapses outside of um, therapeutic realm or the therapeutic realm, I would say, you know, try learning a second language if you haven't already. Well, speaking of that, I understand you went on a trip to Chile where you presented to pharmacy students at the University of Chile in Spanish, I understand. I imagine that is an example of the CPD you've just described. That sounds pretty cool. It also, for someone like me, sounds very, very daunting. But what was the presentation and how was it received? It was a little bit of the you know, personal development, but I also use this as um, part of my CPD for this year as well. Um, basically, it was a translation and an adaptation of the Living with Pharmacy presentation I'd created to do at the NAFSA Congresses in Australia um, for pharmacy students. Um, I booked a, a trip over to South America and, I, you know, with two months up my sleeve and next to no plans, I decided to sort of set myself a challenge of trying to present at one of the universities. Um, a friend of mine, Yacoub, uh, steered me towards some of his contacts in Argentina, but nothing really came to fruition of that. So I, I kind of, I put a little bit of work into it and I was trying to do a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't go too far with it. And it wasn't until I was hanging out in a, in a coastal town in Chile for about a month. And I started, I was working with a friend on his property and I started getting a really bad toothache. And it, it just gradually got worse and worse and worse. And so I started, um, I started with some paracetamol and I got some topical um, gel to put on it. And then I, I thought, this is just, I need to, need to get this checked out. So I ended up going to um, organize a dental appointment, but I wasn't able to, to be seen until the next day. So I went into one of the pharmacies and there was, um, I sort of explained and I was consulting with what turned out to be a pharmacy assistant just in Spanish um, and saying, you know, I've got this pain, this is what I've taken, um, I'm looking for an anti-inflammatory, um, what options have you got? Um, and they had aspirin and they had this other anti-inflammatory that you bought out. And I hadn't seen this before. It was um, Clonexinato de Lucina. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's a bit of an anti-inflammatory. And I, I was sort of thinking, if I'm going to be taking this, I need to know whether or not it's COX-1 or COX-2 predominant. And, you know, is is this going to affect, um, like, my bleeding? If I'm getting any work done in the dentist tomorrow, will I need to let the dentist know? So I kind of asked him these questions and it was a bit funky getting this out in Spanish, but um, he ended up walking back behind the counter and, you know, a young guy in a white coat came out and I sort of asked him a little bit about it and he said, oh, I think it's this. And we had a bit of a chat and then I asked him, I said, oh, are you a pharmacist or a pharmacy student? And he had said he was a pharmacy student. He was from the University of Chile and, you know, he was here on a placement. I said, oh, yeah, I'm traveling from Australia. I'm a pharmacist. I you know, had this crazy idea that I wanted to do a presentation at one of the universities. I spoke to people. Um, I sent off some emails to Argentina, but nothing really came to fruition. And he grabbed my phone and he put in um, the president of the student association's number. And like that, within two days, I'd lined up a presentation at the uni. From there, like the tricky thing was that it was all coming to fruition. And I realized I had never actually written a script for the presentation I've done in Australia. 
um, I'd only ever written a page of notes and dot points. And so I actually had to go back through the presentation, work out what I'd said and what the key points I wanted to hammer home were, and then translate that to Spanish. Um, and, you know, do it in a way that was kind of going to engage and, and work with the audience. Um, Spanish is quite a complex language with its verb conjugations and the way that the language works. So it was definitely a really good challenge for like learning the language and applying prior knowledge in something to a, to a new, you know, concept and a new project. Um, it was, you know, since I was a kid, I've, uh, I've always had trouble pronouncing my R's. Um, I used to pronounce, you know, words like WAMP and things like that. And so going to a language like Spanish, uh, which rolls their R's, I was quite nervous about getting up in front of a bunch of people and, and not being able to do that. Uh, before the trip, I ended up um, – or before the presentation, sorry, I ended up doing um, a week-long bike ride, solo bike ride and camping mission around Patagonia, um, the northern side. And I just remember spending you know hours on the bike just sitting there going <laughs> – doing, um, doing exercises to try get, um, to try get my – eyes rolling perfectly and I got up in the presentation and I, I sort of explained that all in Spanish that, you know, since I was a kid, I've always had these problems pronouncing the R's and um, it was quite funny because I was chatting to locals and I was chatting to friends and I had this little book and basically Chileans, they speak Spanish, but they speak Spanish like Australians speak English. So, you know, and like if you've ever met someone that's come to Australia and they've learned English through watching American TV shows and whatnot, they tend to find, have quite a bit of trouble understanding Australians. Um, so I basically, they have a lot of shortened words. They use a lot of slang and they cut the cut syllables off the end of the words when they're pronouncing it. So, you know, Chilean is quite a tricky language to get your head around, but I kept this little book of slang that I was like just chipping away at. And, um, when I was talking about how, you know, I struggle with my eyes and um, I was I was trying to work out a, um, a Chilean slang that I could slide in there um, amongst it. And so I was chatting to a mate and he said something, como el pico. And then I'd written in my book, el pico equals something bad. And uh, he said, no, like, and he's explaining this was a friend that didn't speak English. He's like, no, 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 el pico can be anything. He's like, it, you know, that's el pico, that's el pico. A, a lid of a bottle is el pico. And, um, and so I was like, ah, oh, como el pico. And so I decided to sneak that into the, the first draft of my presentation. And, um, how it all ended up was that one of the dentists that had worked on me, um, was a keen surfer and he ended up, cause I didn't have a car over there. He'd pick me up and take me surfing and loan me aboard from time to time. And I was chatting to him about how I've got the presentation, I'm working on it, and, you know, it's all, all coming to fruition. And I was reading in different parts, and we were overlooking the waves one day, and I was going through the presentation saying how my eyes, you know, I struggle with my eyes, and I've practiced, and I can say words like, que frico, but, you know, I'm going to talk como el pico. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. So it was that was a really interesting sort of, insight into like how one word with just, you know, or, you know, a phrase of otherwise innocent words can then take on a crazy meaning. But yeah, definitely a daunting task. I was quite nervous going into it. Um, but super grateful for, um, for my friends, 
Wesleyan friends that helped me um, edit it. Um, special shout out to Alejandro Devale and to Pili. Um, they were really awesome. They sat down and, and went through in quite de- quite a lot of detail and, you know, helped turn my very otherwise rudimentary Spanish into um, something that was legible and tangible to present at the university. Um, as far as the students, they were very kind. They said they enjoyed it. Um, I definitely could feel like I could have practiced it more. And it's something that if I do go back or when I do go back to South America or Central America, I'd like to give another crack and, you know, expand upon different things and what I talk about. So, Liam, that's an amazing story. You've done some really cool stuff and obviously traveled to lots of different places. You've completed additional study and the like. You don't strike me as the type of person to just settle in for the ride. So I'm curious if there's any other areas of pharmacy or healthcare that you're interested in and you're going to progress? Well, I've actually just started taking the necessary steps to be certified as a lifestyle medicine practitioner. Um, lifestyle medicine is something that's kind of intriguing to me. Uh, you know, it was all, always a bit obscure, but um, Dean Ornish, um, a US doctor, sums it up really well with the basic phrase of eat well, move more, stress less and love more. Um, and it's really about the evidence-based application of this. Where this comes from, um, a lot of the inspiration for studying this, and, you know, I was always interested to hear about how people's diet and exercise is faring for, you know, for their diabetes or their hypertension or various various conditions. And it struck me as really interesting that people could be taking quite high doses of drugs. And when you say, oh, how, how are you going with your diet and exercise side of things, they look at you like you're speaking in another language. Um, it's also, you know, something that, I have been vegetarian for many years and have recently converted to, you know, living a fully plant-based diet. And and a lot of that ties into what's good for the planet is, you know, or what's good for you is good for the planet. Uh, so, you know, um, eating lots of plants, eating lots of vegetables is not only good for our environment, um, it uses less resources, it causes far less problems with, um, you know, animal welfare and um, antibiotic use in in uh, animal agriculture. But it's also like something that's really good for our health. And it's really interesting if you look into the evidence of conditions like type 2 diabetes or like hypertension um, actually being reversed with lifestyle implementation. So that's something that I'm really excited to sort of explore and expand upon. A really interesting concept with that is group, group – um, sessions rather than one doctor spending two hours working with 10, 12 different patients. They can spend those two hours um, working with all 12 patients at one point in time and, and building a support in their community network. So it's still in its infancy, I feel, in Australia, but it's, it's something that I'm really looking forward to you know, learning more about in the years to come. Amazing. Again, these answers are just have me listening really, really intently. And so for those who are also listening intently and maybe thinking about studying pharmacy or maybe they're early in their career journey, what advice would you give them about getting the most out of their careers? Because it sounds as though you've squeezed the maximum out of it so far. Definitely be open-minded. The mind, I feel, is like a kite. It won't fly unless it's open. Um, But, you know, just be careful that your brains don't fall out. Um, Be humble. Like Bill Nye, Bill Nye the, uh, the science guy, sums it up really well. And he says, everyone you'll ever meet knows something that you don't. 
an experience shapes opinion. So people might have differing opinions from you, but that tends to come from their experience. So if you're taking you know, a position of arrogance or, or superiority, you're really not going to get your message across to people. It's, it's about finding level ground with patients and, and trying to work out how you can, how you can work alongside patients and, and bring them to their health goals. Um, go rural is definitely another one that I'd recommend to people. If you're lost or if you don't know, or if you're even the slightest bit curious about what rural pharmacy might offer, I'd hundred percent recommend going and trying it out. You don't have to go there forever, but it's definitely something that's, you know, shaped my pharmacy career. And, and personally, I really enjoy rural pharmacy much more than working in, in metropolitan pharmacies. You can engage with the community a lot more, you feel like you're a lot more appreciated and the pace of life is just a lot, a lot easier and a lot, you know, a lot more manageable and, and, and nice to be a part of. Um, for any pharmacists out there with, you know, a bit of a conscience, um, young or old, um, I'd suggest going and supporting the pharmacists for the Environment Australia group. Um, they've got a Facebook page um, and reach out to them if you want to get involved. Grace and Carolyn are two of the key players that set that up and they're spearheading the movement. And as global citizens going into the 21st century, as pharmacists, you know, there's quite a lot of ways, there's quite a lot of impact that our profession is having on on the environment. And if we can work out how we can mitigate it and, you know, really make pharmacy a, a leader, it would be an exciting, an exciting thing for, you know, everyone going forward. And I might be sounding like a preachy vegan, but eat more plants and encourage your patients to do so. Um, there's evidence showing that, you know, with microbiome diversity, um, diversity in plants leads to, uh, the best outcomes for your microbiome. Um, and again, Dean, Dean Ornish's quote, what's good for you is good for the planet. Um, if you want to know more about that, there's a really good podcast, um, called the plant proof podcast with Simon Hill. That's got a bunch of amazing episodes and interviews. Um, so if anyone's interested in that kind of space, uh, and they haven't already heard of him, I definitely recommend checking that out. Amazing chat, lots of great stories, examples, and advice. If people want to follow your adventures, Liam, what can they do? Um, we have a Facebook page, The Roaming Pharmacist. Um, we also have uh, an Instagram page, which is Roaming Far. So R O A M I N G P H A R. Um, and yeah, we've got a website, but we've been a little bit lax about updating that. So there's not much on there, but that's roamingpharmacist.com. Uh, maybe in, when we get a bit of time, we'll update that and put some more stuff on there. But yeah, otherwise Facebook and Instagram, if people want to reach out or, or see what we're, what we're getting up to. Liam Murphy, sometimes Australia's highest pharmacist. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your amazing experiences and stories and thoughts from your travels. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Liam for sharing both your fascinating background and how you have been able to create an amazing career which has been built whilst also maintaining the ever-important work-life balance. It is clearly evident you are passionate about delivering high-quality services to Australian communities and inspiring our future workforce to think outside the box and be in control of their community pharmacy career. If Liam's story inspires you, why not start building your pharmacy career today by visiting the Guild's Early Career Pharmacist Hub at guild.org.au forward slash membership forward slash early hyphen career hyphen pharmacist hyphen hub 
the Guild's ITP program, internpharmacist.com.au, and Guild Ed for all your career growth and education needs at gilded.guild.org.au. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 31 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.